Hey, Chloe, should we ban guns? You know what? We should absolutely not. Welcome back to Fact of Life with Chloe Noller and Maddie Grace Watson. You are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. so much for joining us on fact of life today we're glad to be back with you today we're jumping into something that is a really big issue right now it comes up a lot in the news because of a lot of the um tragedies that have been happening but we're talking about gun control and and mass shootings and what what even is the debate around gun control uh what's the history of it or what can the founding tell us about gun control um it's going to be a great episode. We're going to talk a little bit about the modern day problem and um, what really is going on in uh, this this kind of rhetoric. So it's going to be a great episode. To start off, we're going to be looking right at the history of gun control because as we always do, we've got to get right into the history. So the, this really takes us all the way back to the American founding. It takes us, especially when we're looking at America specifically, um, it takes us all the way back to really before the American founding, Mm -hmm. when the colonists were living under British regulation, under British control. And we see that the Second Amendment that protects our right to bear arms was really, it was put in place, it was protected because the founders, because these colonists had been under British who were trying to take away that right. Yeah. Um, the, tr- uh, the British were attempting to regulate the gun ownership of the colonists so that they could not rise up against the British regulars. So, you know, we can see that, that America began under this, like, pressure from the British government, and that's definitely something that the Founding Fathers were trying to get away from. Um, so, like, guns were, guns were common in the American colonies, uh, for hunting, uh, self-protection, you know, they were obviously used in the American Revolution. Um, and in fact, several colonies' gun laws required that the heads of households, including women, own guns and that all able-bodied men in the militia carry personal firearms. Isn't that crazy? There was literally a law that said at least one man in every adult man in every house to carry a gun to church or other public meetings in order to protect against attacks by Native Americans and prevent theft of firearms from unattended homes. What do you think about that, Mighty Grace? I think it's so cool. I mean, just looking back, this is even, this is like from the very beginning of our country's founding. We have this here, you know, now we're talking about putting in laws to ban guns, but we see at the very beginning right. there were laws um, to use guns as protection. That's right. This, this really reminds me, and this is going a little bit ahead in history, but it reminds me um, of the classic example of World War II whenever Japan bombed Pearl Harbor. I had read somewhere sometime, and I don't have the citation for you all today, but that so after the war, somebody asked, they asked Japan, like, why did you just bomb an, an island? Why didn't you make an attack on, on, like, the American soil? And they said it was because the people of America, they're the largest army in the world because Americans are allowed to ha- have guns. And so, I mean, that, that's what this reminds me of because we have in the very beginning, we have, you know, Connecticut was one um, and at least five other of the colonies, they, they required this. And so you see we're really getting away from that. But the original intent was for these guns to be used as protection. And we saw that even just figuratively that helped us out in World War II. Right. 
Um, and it's interesting because they'll also talk about the the wording of the Second Amendment. And they're like, what does that actually mean? Does it mean a collective right or an individual right? Is it just for the founding fathers or, or I mean, was it just for the, the well-regulated militia? And so it's interesting. Um, can, can you read us that Second Amendment right now? Yeah. So the Second Amendment says, quote, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Have you seen the Studio C video um, with, like, the, the, the bear arms? No, I haven't. I it's, need to watch that it's one. It's really funny. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, great, great play on words there for bear arms. Anyways, uh, awesome video. But, you know, it's interesting. Um, some historians will suggest here that, like, the idea of an individual versus a collective right didn't even occur to the Founding Fathers because the two were intertwined. Um, there's an individual right in order to fulfill the collective right of serving in the militia. So, like, the militia is, like, are the people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the people make up the militia. So, of course, they're going to need guns. Exactly. And I, I really think you even see that in the wording of the Second Amendment. Because it does say, you know, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. It prefaces with that, but then the actual right comes in when it says the right of the people to keep and bear arms. So it's like saying the specific right goes to the people, and that is describing this, like, pretext here of the well-regulated militia. Because when you look back at people fighting, you know, the, the militia's fighting for our country, the, the militia... As Chloe just said, those were the people. Those the people were the militia. It wasn't some random branch of a military. It wasn't some random this or that. And so you have it them them giving the right to the people and that describing what the well regulated militia is, but it's not saying, Oh, give arms to a militia, which were the people, but even if that has changed, if you look right at the wording, it's giving the right, it's secure protecting the right, I should say, mm-hmm. of the people to keep and bear arms. Yeah, it is. Right of the people. That's just the wording there is so clear. Um, and it's interesting because when you talk about, like, the court cases going on in the United States currently about, like, gun control and stuff, they even use the 14th Amendment um, to back it up. And that's, you know, uh, saying that no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abrib the privileges other citizens of the United States. So when you're depriving someone from being able to carry a gun or to own a gun, um, you know, just because there's no, you know, due process of law in that, um, that's that's a violation of the 14th Amendment. So we're not going to see a ton of gun control stuff going on. There's a little bit we'll talk about later that has to do with the court case. Um, but really, you don't see... Uh, this kind of controversy erupting until, you know, the, na- the 1900s. So um, e- even early to late 1900s, there's a lot that goes on um, that has to do with gun control. Um, but su- a significant moment was the St. Valentine's Day Massacre where um, Al Capone had uh, seven gangsters of a different gang were completely um, obliterated by some rifles. And it was this kind of just complete like daylight stand like hold up in um this uh, like a building and it was just this crazy people were like what in the world just happened so there was an act that um imposed a tax on and registration requirement on um the making and transfer of certain guns but 
most guns are excluded from that act, um, which was enacted in 1934. So it was like kind of the first attempt at a gun control law, but I mean, it didn't really do anything anyways. And like I said, most guns were excluded from that act. Um, and then we're going to see by eight, uh, 1968, there had been uh, many assassinations uh, from like President John F. Kennedy, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Robert F. Kennedy. Um, and then there was a 1966 uh, Texas mass shooting. So President Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Gun Control Act of 1968 into law that regulated interstate gun commerce, um, prohib prohibiting interstate transfer um, of guns. And so this is kind of like the first real gun control law. Yeah, you know, something I find interesting really with both of these things, but specifically, it, it applies to both, but, spe but specifically talking about the acts that started being in place after these things started happening, especially the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, mm -hmm. is the, the immediate response to this is, let's, let's ban guns, let's stop these criminals from having guns, which is interesting because, I mean, these are gangsters, these are people who are assassinating the president, assassinating these different um, important figures or mass shooting. Like, these people are already criminals. They're not going to stop. It may be a little harder for them to find a gun, but a, a criminal who's a criminal who's willing to assassinate the president of the United States. They're going to get their guns gonna, from anywhere. And, like, anywhere. gangsters, they're, they're going to get their guns from anywhere. Yeah. And so I think... You know, instead of having our, our immediate response to these things being, let's ban guns, when the criminals, I mean, yes, this applies then, but also now, are still going to have guns. I think what we, maybe we should be focusing on instead is providing resources for people to be educated about these different things, you know, or fixing, I mean, as we'll talk about later when we really do get into the modern day part, is these people who are in the headspace to commit these, like, heinous acts there's there's a lot more going on there's a lot more problems happening than the fact that they found that they were able to get their hands on a gun there's a lot more going on there i think it's interesting when we're we're looking at this like obviously there's going to be an outcry after um these things happen you know people are upset why why are um why are these these bad things happening why can't we get a hold of this and so politicians are obviously going to want to change something or make a make a law or do something to fix it They're, they they, they, they want to do something but that something is just not it, that's not it's not getting at the root of the problem and it's it's very much something that just looks like they're doing something but they're not because it just doesn't doesn't work so I think it's important um to talk about in 2008 there was a court case um and Basically, this was this was kind of a landmark decision. Um, Justice Scalia wrote the um, majority opinion, but basically they said that um, that was like the first time that the court upheld an individual right interpretation of the Second Amendment. So saying that individuals have a constitutional right to own a gun regardless of militia service. So that was on June 26 of 2008. And um, in, in this court case, they set up a kind of like a two-prong um, idea. So, like, if there was going to be a gun control law, there needed to be sufficient um, history and, like, historical b basis for it. And there needed to be a reason for it that the, that the uh, federal judge could decide. So, like, just to see, like, technical reasons, um, maybe for, like, public health reasons or something. I don't know. But that that was kind of this two-prong system that worked out. And um, in 2022, the Supreme Court um 
released a decision in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. This court case um, was also incredibly landmark, and this, yet again, the Supreme Court upheld um, the right of a citizen to publicly carry a gun. So um, they say that um, that there was a law in New York that um, was not allowing people to publicly carry guns without a sufficient reason to do so. So there were two people that appealed and said, hey, we were denied a request for uh, to get a public carry permit, and there's no reason for that. Like, we're upstanding citizens, so what's the deal with this? And it went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court overturned that New York law. So, yeah, we had that 6-3 decision by the Supreme Court upholding those rights. Um, but I think it's really cool. They're just they're tying in the 14th and 2nd Amendment there, which is a lot of times what people use to dispute. Um, but one thing that they specifically said, like, they, they held that we have this right for self-defense. And if we look at other countries, some that restrict, um, especially like Australia and New Zealand, which is an example we hear a lot, there are a lot of countries, even if they do have s- certain... Uh, like ways you can have guns one thing they specifically have is like self-defense and protection those other countries they don't allow you to have guns for that reason that's not a protection that you're allowed to have which i think is really cool in america i think that's one of the primary uses for a gun you know that self-defense that protection because that is an that is going to protect you in ways other things can't and we see our government our constitution and now our supreme court upholding that 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 is one of our reasons and it's crazy because other countries they they don't get that their their governments are taking that away from them just a tidbit of information that's helpful to know here um i talk a lot about court cases and um i will do my research i will read the case document um and look at different parts but a lot of these decisions are 100 plus pages and that's really daunting to people when they're thinking about like how am i supposed to read that i don't have time for that that's a bunch of legal language i don't understand there's always a, like a small um, just overview of the decision um, in the very beginning of the case. If you go to the Supreme Court's website, you look up the case, you got that document. There's a six-page um, just overview of this, this case from New York, and it tells you everything about what's in the decision. And it gives you even reference line numbers about where they delve further into these issues. And so that's just something you should know if you're looking at a court case and you're, you're saying, what, like, I want to know, but I can't read 160 pages right now. Um, there's always that little tidbit. But um, they're saying here uh, that uh, the two people, that the two just men who um, were denied a request to get a public carry permit, um, they said that they were part of the people whom the Second Amendment protects, and the court says that it has little difficulty in concluding also that the plain text of the Second Amendment protects their proposed um, course of conduct, carrying handguns publicly for self-defense. Um, that was really the issue um, going on there. I think it's interesting. A lot of people did not agree with the Supreme Court's interpretation of this. Um, they, they said, um, because in this decision, the court struck down kind of that two-prong rule that I was talking about earlier from the, the earlier court case in 2008. Um, and they basically just said, you need to give us historical precedent for a gun control law. If you're going to make one, there needs to be a significant reason for it um, from history. And people did not like that. They said that history can be a little bit nuanced and you need a technical decision. But they're asking the court to make a very technical, like, gun safety decision. That's not the court's expertise. That That's not a legal issue. Um, but I think it's important to look at 
the founders intent and this is this is the point of the, the supreme court here when they're saying this um we need to look at what the background of the like the founders um was and and why they wrote what they did into the constitution yeah exactly because our the supreme court's job is not to look at the wording of the constitution and read it and interpret it with the modern day 2022 dictionary That's you know right. yeah. the founders if you do that i mean you can't read something from almost 250 years ago and read it through like the lens of any modern day dictionary you're going to find people are always going to have words so if we're really wanting to look at what these things mean we have to know what the founders meant by the words they were saying we have to know what their intent was and a really good way to look at that is what a lot of people don't realize is the the english had their own uh bill of rights or declaration of rights in 1689 and in a lot of ways the founders they so they took some things from this. They changed some things from this. It wasn't an exact copy. It wasn't an exact con- exact contradiction. But it's obvious uh, that the founders looked at this for um, inspiration in some ways for what mm-hmm. they were writing. And so we can really look at that to know maybe what the founders meant by it. I mean, we see it multiple times, not only here with the Second Amendment. We also see it with the Third Amendment. We see an almost exact word-for-word copy from that English Declaration of Rights into yeah. the Bill of Rights. So it's really important to look back at that English Declaration of Rights. Chloe, why don't you read a little excerpt of that for us? Yeah, so from the Bill of the English Common Law Bill of Rights from 1689, um, I have a quotation here. They were listing out the problem quite like they do in the Declaration of Independence, but the, um, one of the things that the king before um, had done basically had Protestants to be disarmed um, at the same time, they were giving Catholics um, both arms and, like, employment that was contrary to law. So this was the issue going on. And the English were like, that is not okay. Um, we need guns. And so there's a statute later on in the document that says, The subjects which are Protestants may have arms for their defense, suitable to their condition, and as allowed by law. This is a really interesting look at this this law. Uh like th- from the second amendment perspective like the subjects which are protestants um, may have arms for their own defense and so you know when you're looking at we were talking about earlier with the founders and how they were um going against what the british were trying to impose on them you know they were feeling this pressure of t- like guns being taken away and obviously they were not it was there was not a protestant catholic divide within the united states that wasn't a thing and so you know, I think they were just, like, looking at this context, it was, like, all people, you know, in the Declaration of Independence, like, all people are created equal um, with certain unalienable rights, and they realized that one of those is the right to self-defense. Exactly, and I think this really does help provide some of that context for what they meant, like, militia or everyone, because when you look at examples like this, when you look at textual evidence like this, and just the context of the times, that, that wouldn't even have been a question, you know? Mm-hmm. When they say we're giving the people the right to bear arms, you know, the, the people and the, the militia, it's, yes, these are the people, and, like, should we be threatened? They have that, they, they build up, they make that militia. But when we look at things like the English Declaration of Rights and we look at the context of the times, like we talked about earlier, it's just, there's really, it's hard to think that they meant otherwise. It, it truly is, because with it being so regular, so common in that time period, 
if they truly wanted to make it that it was specifically the militia, they would have clarified that. And we also see with, you know, America in they the founders didn't just make the constitution and walk away. They yeah. lived there. If if it they was being it. lived out in a way that was contrary to their intent, they would have done something. They would have said something about right. it. Right. And we Absolutely. don't see any example of that in the history. We we don't see that whatsoever. You know, they were around for quite a while after that and we never saw them disputing how it was being interpreted. Yeah. No, for sure. And I like the sentence after they talk about this in the, in the court case, they say English history and custom before the founding makes some sense, um, given that the Second Amendment codified this right inherited from the English ancestors. So um, it's interesting. This this court case just really walks through the history of what went on um, and, and kind of like gun control laws. There were some aspects of gun control happening in um, early colonial periods, but it was against people going um, armed to terror of the people. Uh, so it, it wasn't a, you know, a common law limitation to impair the right of the general population to carry a gun. Um, there were some uh, prohibitions in the early, mid-19th century uh, that, cons- uh, that kind of um, did not allow guns to be carried. Um, but that was post-Civil War. Um, we're talking about the South and, and you know, trying to regulate what, the, what was happening in the Confederacy. So it's interesting to look back at the history and know that, um, look, at, look at what the founders meant, what their intent was for this Constitution and what they imagined for our country in the future. Um, and looking at that and how the Supreme Court is upholding that currently. So We're going to take a quick break, but after the break, we're going to jump into with the modern day look on gun control, what's going on with that, and it's going to be great. And don't forget, you are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. We'll get right back with you right after the break. Welcome back to Fact of Life with Chloe Noller and Maddie Grace Watson. You are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. going to get right into a little bit of a more modern fight um, with everything surrounding gun control and what that discussion is currently looking like, what those laws are looking like, and, you know, just what what is happening with that. So, Chloe, why don't you get us right into that discussion? Yeah, so right now there is a lot going on about gun control, and this is because of the increase of mass shootings that we've had um, in uh, November, as of November 22 in, uh, of 2022, there were 12 mass shootings in the United States. This is compared to one mass shooting in 2000. Um, there was a chart that I found um, from Statistica, and they were talking, it, it, just, it just shows this incredible um, uptick in, in mass shootings from, you know, ni- like the early, uh, late 1900s to now. There have been 338 mass shootings since April 20th of 1999. Something that I think is fascinating about this number of shooting incidents that we've had, 90% of mass shootings have been done in gun-free zones. So 
this is just kind of one of the first things that we're like we see the inconsistency with what gun control is doing what gun control um proponents uh want and what they what they're trying to get across um is is a legislation it is a law that will ban guns or that's going to make it harder to get guns um but it's not making harder for criminals to get guns it's making it harder for law-abiding citizens to get guns criminals will be criminals they're going to get their guns from wherever they want and and i think that this just the statistic that 90 percent of mass shootings have been done in gun-free zones it's just kind of this first example of the fact that the law is not going to change what a criminal is going to do. A criminal breaks the law. If they're, if they're going to want to shoot up a school, they will get their gun somehow. They don't, they don't need to go through the process. And in fact, they probably won't want to go through the process. They're not going to register their gun and have their name tied to it. You know, um, I think that's just one of the first examples here of the, the uh, hypocrisy within this. Exactly. And I think something that is really important to note, too, is obviously, like, people very much so disagree on these gun issues. They, mm-hmm. It's it's a very much so controversy surrounding this. But n- nobody on either side wants these shooting incidents to happen, mm-hmm. you, you know? And I think that's why it's important to make sure we have all the facts with this. Like Chloe's statistic here of the, the 90% of these mass shootings have been done in gun-free zones. Like, that's important to know. And we're going to look at some different statistics, too. But that's one of the reasons why these statistics are so important. Because a lot of times, I mean, not just this issue, issues in general, is you have people disagreeing. But when you really look at it, a, lo- a large portion of the people that are disagreeing just simply don't have the facts. They don't have the statistics to to back up that answer you know everyone has that quote-unquote well intent but when you really look at the facts i mean but like chloe said criminals are going to get guns and that doesn't make these shootings any less tragic it, it, it doesn't but what we do need to do is like we want to be stopping these but when you look at the statistics you know making more gun free zones taking those guns away like that is not going to stop it if we're really wanting to stop it that's not the way to do it this really reminds me of whenever we had the 18th and 21st amendments you know all surrounding prohibition um we saw the 18th amendment first came around prohibiting prohibiting alcohol and at that point you know a lot of people People, if you if they wanted alcohol, they were still finding alcohol. It was yes, it right. would be there was an amendment prohibiting it, but people were still finding it. If they wanted it, they were going to find it. We have people making whole whole lifestyles off of smuggling this, and then you know that's why the twenty first amendment came around. Well, I mean, and you even see one of the the incidents that sparked gun control debate was the Saint Valentine's Day massacre with Al Capone, which had to do with smuggling liquor and alcohol in new york city like it all had to do with that so you know they're gonna it's going to have you're gonna have issues no matter the laws you make exactly so you know we've already seen in american history with with alcohol and prohibition and all of that that the the people who want to break the laws they're going to break the laws they're going to find those resources that they want regardless of when you an important thing to note is like when you make a law whenever you pass a law you're not stopping criminals from being criminals you're making a law to stop the citizens who follow the laws Mm -hmm. because sure you can prosecute someone for not following a law but they're it's not going to stop them from not following it if that makes sense yeah no absolutely 
Um, I think another one of those those statistics that just shows how what we're talking about is 77% or more of guns used in mass shootings by criminals were stolen. Um, they were obtained illegally. That, that, that's exactly what we're talking about. They, they didn't even go through the proper channels to get their gun. I mean, of course they're not going to. Like, why would you do that? You know, if you're going to commit a crime, you're not going to have your name attached to the gun. Um, and you're, you're not going to register that one. So um, I think it's interesting. You know, you see laws trying to ri- or raise the age of buying guns. The average age of a mass shooter is 33 years old. Um, and um, yeah, I think it's important to know, uh, like, mass shooting is defined as, like, four more deaths. So um, it's just crazy. And I think it's also interesting, a lot of these laws have to do with AR-15s and uh, rifles, shotguns. Um, and... All rifles, all all rifles, um, AR-15s, like anything that you're going to talk about, they only make up of like the yearly statistic for murders with guns. Um, rifles make up 445 murders of that, of the 8,029 um, murders from pistols, which the gun control laws are not even targeting handguns. Some, I mean, there obviously are some, but the majority of them are talking about AR-15s and and rifles. That, that's not even what the problem is. It would be the handguns. If we're going to talk about what the problem is, it's the pistols, the handguns that are killing 8,029 people a year, you know? Have you ever seen those videos of, um, I guess, people just, like, going, they're, I guess, arguing. It may be, like, a Charlie Kirk or a Will Witt or, like, one of those people who goes out and, like, talks to people. And um, one of the people who are, who's, like, dissenting against them, they'll, they'll say, uh, like, Oh, like you, like it's an AR-15, like that's an like assault rifle, because a lot of people think that the AR and AR-15 stands for like assault rifle or even automated rifle. But when you look at it, and it's just like kind of a side note, it actually stands for Armalite rifle. Like it has nothing to do with like assault. It's just one of those things that like, like that's not what that an AR-15 is not an assault rifle. Mm-hmm. Like I just think that's. That's one of the things I just find so funny is because people get so heated up about that. Like, oh, like, you want to give everyone, like, the ability to use, like, an assault rifle. You want to, like, give everyone the ability to, like, assault people because that's what that means. Like, no, no, it it doesn't. It doesn't. (laughs) I just, that was just a side note there, but I know I've seen so many of those videos where people just, they, they, that's one of, that's one of the reasons why it's important, like we said earlier, to know the facts, to know what, what you're really talking about there. Yeah, something I I heard um I I mean personally listened to um Allie Beth Stuckey, wonderful podcast. Mm-hmm. Um she has phenomenal things, but mm-hmm. she had an episode on gun control a while back and she was talking about with this this guy um that she brought on about how within within gun control and and guns specifically like if you are looking at a gun for self-defense, a lot of women will choose to use an AR um 15 or like a rifle because with the kickback it goes into your shoulder and chest versus your hand so with a handgun like if you're gonna if you're aiming you're using a handgun um there's a lot more of a kickback in your hand specifically and if Mm -hmm. you're not you know if you're not completely trained in that you you don't have a very strong like um arm or hand grip in that like i mean some women do obviously but Mm -hmm. um it's a lot harder to aim it accurately with that one it's harder to use with one hand um and so they will often use or they will have uh, like a rifle 
um, nearby because that's easier for women to use. It's there's less of a kickback. And I mean, she was saying this herself. It's not like a sexism type thing. But um, so by banning AR-15s, you're, you're limiting the ability of a woman to protect herself as well. So I just thought that was an interesting fact. Wait, I learned talk, about talk that. Talk about feminism, feminism there. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Absolutely. So one of the, the biggest things that um, sparks these debates is these school shootings where innocent, beautiful children in elementary schools are murdered by these people. It's horrible. And there obviously has to be something done. But one of the things that we can be doing is hardening schools. So that means surveillance, metal detectors, bulletproof glass, and armed resources, just to name a few of the things. And um, this would be helpful because you would have people in there with guns who know how to use them responsibly, who can protect the innocent and vulnerable children in the schools. I mean, there's nothing wrong with surveillance and metal detectors. Like if, if a kid's going to walk in with a gun, that's important. We need to know about that. But there's interest. it's interesting to note that the president, President Biden himself said um, um, in, the, in this press conference, um, his secretary said that, I know there's been conversation about hardening schools. That is not something the president believes in. He believes that we should be able to give teachers the resources to be able to do their job. I find this a highly hypocritical sentence. On one hand, mm-hmm. he says, I don't believe in hardening schools. At the same time, he says, we should give teachers the resources to be able to do their job. If you're not willing to harden schools, you're not helping the teachers do their job well. Exactly. And I really, like, personally, I don't understand what the hesitation is here for hardening schools. Because, you know, as we talked about earlier, criminals, they're going to get their guns. They're going to do these things. I mean, what is the harm? I mean, why why is surveillance, metal detectors, bulletproof glass, armed resource officers, why are those so bad? And, I mean, I would even, I mean, personally, I would even go so far as to say, like, arm your teachers have Absolutely. them protected i mean i know get like them training get get them to have those if, like that's important yeah, if you aren't comfortable with your teacher having the means to protect your child from a school shooting you should not be comfortable with them teaching your child. That's right. Absolutely. I mean, we've talked so much about education and the importance of what your children are learning in schools um, and, and, and what's going on with that. But if, yeah, if you're not willing to give a teacher the ability to protect like physically protect your child you should they're not protecting your child mentally either exactly Um, it's it's just asking for schools for these vulnerable kids to be soft targets i mean look at this we harden concerts congress their award shows football games i mean all of these things that have to do with the public that there are measures taken to um to stop mass shootings not that it always does they're obviously if people are going to do it like we said they're going to find a way but this can help, and especially, like, I mean, you know, there was this, that horrible tragedy in Uvalde earlier this year, but if, if the teachers had had the guns, if they had been trained, if they had known what to do when a mass shooter comes into the building, it would have, it would have been a very different story, and that's just, that's the truth. Exactly, and I think, like, part of the hesitation here is, oh, you know, we don't want to have, we don't want our schools to be in that like state we want them to be a safe place well like, the problem absolutely is, the we prob- don't want that yeah, exactly to be. but and the problem that's the is world we live in like we have these school shootings are happening and like is it terrible absolutely this is like, absolutely terrible but they're happening and now it's starting to become a regular thing you know someone's in that mental state that is how they retaliate and so right the only way to like fight that back is we have to like harden our schools we have to make them a place where this is absolutely not tolerated we have to set up those defenses 
you know, it's it's just it's a, it's a bully scenario. There, people are going to keep doing this. People are going mm-hmm. to keep attacking like this, if they're not met with equal and opposite force. You know, if they're not met with schools that are protecting against this, with people who are willing to fight back against them, should they come in and, and try to do this. They're just going, people are going to keep doing it because they're not right. afraid of getting caught. They're at, When they're at that place, they're just trying to wreak havoc. They know they're going to get caught. They know they're going to, it's not that, even that anymore. Right. It, it's, there's it's nothing not about left that. for them. No, and I just, it, it's so sad. I think the biggest problem we have here is, is just like, you look at the, the mass shooters and, and what their home life is like. Um, there is a statistic here, 75% of mass shooters did not have a dad in the home. That's huge. That's so huge. To not have a dad in the home means so many things. It means the mom is likely working several jobs and is not at home. Or I mean, there's just so many scenarios with that where kids can get in a really terrible mental state because they're home alone on the internet. Like, I mean, scrolling through social media, and we, we've talked a little bit about, but like with social media, like it will show you what you want to see. And if you're going to, if you're starting to get um, sucked into a specific, like, a specific uh you know realm of social media like it will just keep showing you exactly what you want to see and you can end up on a really dark path um and so i i just think that that's so crazy three quarters of the mass shooters that we have have did not have a dad in the home that's so telltale we need to be looking at the root problems of what's causing this it's not the gun a gun is an inanimate object it has the ability to do great harm or great benefit and 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 we see that um throughout history it i mean like we like in the founding there they required people to have guns for self-defense guns are not the problem they never have been they've been used for self-defense for hunting for keeping the family together and and now we're seeing when the family breaks apart that's when we're getting these issues um because the people are hurting you cannot legislate morality you cannot legislate you can't you can't make laws that will change someone's heart like we've said, if, if, if people are going to get their guns, they're going to get them somehow. And all you're doing is um, restricting those who are already responsible with their guns, you know, by... I, I mean, I'm absolutely in favor of background checks. I mean, being careful who you're selling guns to. Obviously, that makes sense. Like, you should be doing that with anything. I mean, you, you know, you have to present an ID to get alcohol. I mean, there's just things like that. That's, that's just common sense. That's smart. But, you know... M- uh, not allowing people like in this New York law that was overturned by this court case we talked about earlier, you know, it's not allowing citizens to, to publicly carry arms for self-defense. You know, I, it's just crazy. You know, the, the core problem truly is rooted deeper here than just that surface level. Yeah. Should we or shouldn't we be able to buy guns? Yeah. Um, this, this statistic, absolutely heartbreaking with those mass shooters that didn't have a dad in the home. But a lot of times, you know, you see these mass shootings come up on the news. You see all of these tragedies come up on the news. And all they talk about, they talk about, oh, like, we need to stop guns now. Like, what is this person's punishment going to be? And yes, like, 100% they should be punished. But we should start looking at, like, like why did they get to that point? Like, mm-hmm. what was their headspace in? Because this it, it's not okay. And, like, to get to that point where they're okay with walking into a school and, like, committing, like, a school shooting, like, something has gone horribly wrong up to that point and yes that should not detract from them being punished and that should not detract Mm -hmm. from any of that but if we're wanting to stop things in the future we can't we can't stop it 
we can't we, we have to stop it at like the at the faucet like the spout we have to stop it where the problem is coming from we right. can't just stop the outcome of the problem we can't put a ban on the outcome because the problem is still going to be there the problem that is leading to that outcome still going to be there could and probably will still lead to the outcome and if not will lead to another equally as bad outcome if we if we really want to stop this we have to fix that core that that rooted problem we have to start looking at what is making these people make mm-hmm. those decisions and I, I just think it comes it just comes back to like caring for these children in the best way possible that's encouraging the nuclear family that's that's encouraging a mother and a father in the home that's supporting kids who don't have like a mom or a dad in the home um you know and i like we're talking about teachers and being careful you have you want people who are going to love on your kids who are going to support them and and be role models for them um who are going to protect them no matter what um there was a an opinion piece i read in in prepping for this this podcast and um i think he was a, a veteran and he said america now has an overwhelming majority of young and middle-aged men who have never touched a gun and never experienced anything remotely similar to military discipline in their entire lives a high percentage, perhaps a majority among them, believe all of the public gun control myths. They have no interest in guns or markmanship or even in civil defense. I just think that's, yet again, just another problem. You know, I mean, the, we have the root problem. It's it's a heart problem. It's the morality. It's it's the lack of responsibility in the home from the fathers. Um, but, you know, that, that there's there's repercussions from that as well, that you have young, young boys here who have never, like, they're, their only their only interaction with a gun would be in a movie, you know, or mm-hmm. like a a video game or something, and it severely detracts from what the gun is and the respect mm-hmm. for guns. So they have no idea, like they don't even know like mm-hmm. what a gun is. And so then when you're getting kids, if if they're gonna get into that headspace already, like a gun is something they've seen as a tool on a video game or. Well, let's not even get started on video games, but, you know, yeah. it's just, like, it's crazy. I mean, yeah, all of that, the, the, the social media, the video games, it's constantly showing them the violence surrounding mm-hmm. guns and how they could be used for violent means when, really, if you are taught how to use them wisely and you're taught the, like, safety concerns around them. I know a few years ago, um, my parents, went, we took, took a concealed carry course. Of course, I can't get my concealed carry license until I'm 21 in the state of Arkansas, but... Um, I think in most places, but mm-hmm. um, still going through that course, you know, learning uh, uh, all of the, the uh, how a gun works, how to sh- work it responsibly, the do's and the don'ts, and then actually getting to go out and learn those skills. It was, it was so helpful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel, I'm so glad that I know those things now. And I think that's the important thing. When these kids, all they're being shown is the violence surrounding it. But if we're teaching them and we're all learning how to use it responsibly and how it can be used for good, then mm-hmm. that's the mindset people are going to have surrounding it. Right. I mean, I, I go out with my, my dad. Um, and we haven't done it in a while. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm at college now. But, like, we go out and we do target practice. We, we practice with um, – the guns that he has and it just it makes me feel so much better like I know I can defend myself um I can defend Mm -hmm. other people I know how to use a gun responsibly um and and I know you know I know what it can do like that's I've seen that and so yeah I just I think it's there's just so much that has gone wrong with this and now it's just kind of like people that the politicians are trying to make kind of a band-aid you know a band-aid fix like oh let's get rid of the the guns but when I found this quote when only the state has the right to bear arms and the citizens are denied the right to bear arms. 
what you have is a police state and -hmm. that's what they want and that's so scary that is so true and i mean that that quote really just kind of sums up our whole talk today and it's a good way to close us out and remind us all that what we really need to be looking at is make sure we have all of the facts surrounding this and we, we really hope that we provided y'all with some good stuff to think about today. All of this stuff is so important because we, we really cannot take this subject lightly, especially. No, we can't. I mean, there's yeah. so much going on, but um, yeah. thank I, you guys so much for joining us today. It's been a great episode. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at Fact of Life Podcast. As always, if you have any questions, email us at factoflifepodcast at gmail.com. You can listen to us on Hill, the Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts there. And as always, contact us if you have any questions. As always, my name is Chloe Noller. And I'm Maddie Grace Watson. And, and we, we approve, approve of this message. message.